I've been listening to this new band called Cheese Without Pain. Cheese Without Pain. Okay. Are they vegans? It's polka death metal. Okay. Polka death metal. Polka death metal. All right, I believe you. I'm I'm into it. I'm excited. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling it. Do they have the little uh, squeeze box? Do, 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 do. Don't do it. I skipped ahead a little bit because I wanted to see if it would actually start to sound like metal. Nope. You did it. You fucking did it, Johnny Boy! I knew you had it in you. What? Oh, what did I do? Why, Johnny, my dear boy, you just committed your first murder. Me, my demon, and I. A comedy. Coming to your ears October 1st, 2019. Welcome to Pomegranates and Pitchforks. This is a true crime and horror podcast that brings true stories and not-so-true stories together in beautiful and disturbing harmony. I'm Alexandria Youngray with my lovely co-host, Sunshine Bellon. Greetings, friends. Greetings, friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to be just nice and normal sometimes, you know? Aren't we just, just nice and normal sometimes? Yeah. Not weird at all. I don't no. know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, I gotta pretend. Yeah. I, uh, I had my family over for dinner earlier tonight, and the context isn't important. I was remembering a family event that everyone was insisting didn't happen the way I remembered it. <laughs> and I just looked at everybody and was like, I'm not crazy. And everyone looked at me just with that sort of blank face as if to say, uh, you sure? <laughs> no one wanted to openly disagree with me, but also nobody agreed that I wasn't crazy. It's rude to call a woman crazy. But to not disagree or to, well. Well, it's also rude to lie. It is rude to lie. (laughs) (laughs) I think my grandma was hard caught in that. She was just looking at me with her eyes all wide like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) (laughs) mm-hmm. Fine. There's a reason we, we run a weird podcast. Yeah, I instantly backpedaled. I'm like, I'm not crazy in regards to this, okay? (laughs) That's good. Good backpedal. Good save, Sunshine. (laughs) The best I got. So we've been going on for long enough that I accidentally did that thing where I did too much research. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. So I don't think that I'm going to make this not make sense. That didn't even make sense. I failed already. <laughs> you don't you don't plan any further fuckery though. I Well, okay, so it was one of those things where like you get down the rabbit hole and you're like, I'm not even explaining anything that has anything to do with the actual original topic. Right. You know? It's more like background information that you would want or that you would get sucked into. Yeah, it's it's like it's not just like really clicking the next this. button on the Wikipedia page. Like yeah. at some point you're not researching the thing that you are researching anymore. Yeah, I think that what takes three clicks, really. (laughs) Until it comes back around. Gosh, that's too long. You can't go, you can't decide that like your time in the rabbit hole is up when you pop out the other side, because that's just, 
You can use you can lose years in Wonderland. Well, that's how long I've been in Wonderland. Hot damn. Hot. Hot damn. <laughs> so, I've got some stuff that interconnects. But first, we have to finish up what we weren't quite able to make it to last week. Yes. So, basically, what we're doing is finishing up Victorian England. Ooh, Actually, Victorian I'm sorry. Era. Finishing up Victorian Europe. Because one of the things that I'm going to tell you is Victorian England. And the other thing is not even remotely Victorian England. It's just Europe and Victorian. Okay, lovely. So, oh, and also real quick before we actually jump into stuff, Megan hit me up Mm -hmm. and she, you know, colleged in Great Britain, if you recall. I recall. uh, I recall. And um, she had been listening to our episode where we were talking about the British pantomimes, that weird Mm -hmm. Christmas tradition. Yeah. And apparently they do talk. Weird. Okay, that was a that was a question that came up, and I didn't know the answer. So they do because talk. that is not an American tradition. Mm-mm. I did not know what it was until I did this research. But also related, she because you know she went there for theater stuff. Yeah, and she was talking about like the history of performance is not great because you know we were talking about like jesters and yeah adopting disabled people essentially as like a fun play thing yeah and she said that one show that she worked on was about this it was set in spain and it was about this like extended family fighting over some disabled person so that they could use him as an entertainer oh you know basically like exactly on point to what we'd been talking about yeah i don't like that (laughs) <laughs> nope did you ever end up watching that uh, i did section? i finally watched buster buster scruggs uh i liked the first one and the last one the most and what did you think of the that was really uncomfortable you're right uh, it was horrible wasn't i it? was quite quite bummed yeah that was do you know if that actor actually is a paraplegic is that what you'd call it quadriplegic just... quadriplegic well, I think quadriplegic mean. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but it doesn't quadriplegic mean you have your limbs that just don't work? I don't remember. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the difference in the. I, I have no idea. I have no. Okay. I was so disturbed by up. that scene. I didn't look into it. I guess it wouldn't be a scene, but that. Whatever. Sketch. Sketch. Short? I was so. I short. There we go. I was so uh, just taken aback by it that I I didn't look into it any further, even though I'll admit I was curious about that myself. Did you end up finishing the whole movie? No. Oh. Yeah. I mean, the 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 paraplegic thing was pretty heavy, and it's so on point. Yeah, you were really right. I'm glad that I watched it because it was really Good. really on point to what we were covering this week. Right. So let's get into some different themed horror stuff yes let's and we are going to start this with a horror yay okay so we're still in victorian europe doing Mm -hmm. fiction one of the first fictionalized spoopy clowns Mm -hmm. is hop frog 
mm-hmm. by Edgar Allan Poe. Okay. Written in 1849. Or it's also called Eight Chained Orangutans. Okay. So the plot line is a king kidnaps a dwarf whose name is Pop Frog. Mm-hmm. And his friend Trippetta, who's also a dwarf, and forces them to serve as jesters. Like you do with dwarves when you're a king. Yep. And uh, Hop Frog decides to take revenge against the king by uh, dressing the king and his cabinet as orangutans for some kind of a... What's it called? Like a parade type thing mm-hmm. or a ball like he convinces them to or does he force like he he convinces them to he dresses okay. them up and like basically the costumes are made of paper mache and tar mm-hmm. and uh he sets them all on fire nice yeah so that's like your an early spoopy clown is basically a enslaved Dwarf. Taking revenge. Enslaved as a jester. Taking revenge in only a way that Edgar Allan Poe could write. That's the Edgar Allan Poeiest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Eight Chained Orangutans. I'm gonna have to Eight look that up. Eight Chained Orangutans. It's pretty good. And it's public domain, so it's pretty easy to find. Cool. Cool, cool, yeah. cool. Then, this is quite a few years later, and there's some weird history to it. But 1892, Pagliacci. It's an opera. Pagliacci. And there, the reason there's some weird history to it is that there's, like, French and Italian background to this okay. that, like, may have been written by somebody else before, but this is basically the cultural impact that survived if that makes okay. sense so it might be like... stolen content okay so no one knows if it's like originally french or originally italian but it um, probably it was what? we know who it was written by but mm-hmm. basically there was somebody else who had written a very very similar plot line to story mm-hmm. right before this one came out mm-hmm. so it's kind of a did you steal my story right okay okay yeah so, like, we know who the writers of each of these are. It's just, it might be stolen content. Right, okay. Stolen long, long ago, though. We don't kind of worry about it. But, yeah, it's pretty old stolen. Um, So, it's an Italian opera, and mm-hmm. it is about a clown murderer. Lovely. So, and, and I posted basically just a picture of the role, because mm-hmm. it's a play within a play. Oh, okay. Which is complicated on its own. Mm-hmm. So that's why I have the roles. And and similar to what I've talked about with like pantomime and commedia dell'arte mm-hmm. is you have the premier cast. The human beings that played these characters mm-hmm. are kind of ever associated with that character. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And honestly, I feel like this kind of continues on forever. And I didn't really expect that to be the case. So. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, if you recall, 
like uh, Piero mm-hmm. or Perot. Perot. Being kind of created or at least canonized in his own way mm-hmm. by Jean Deborah and the clown being kind of not necessarily created, but like really characterized by Joseph Grimaldi. And that's kind of a history that's ever present in right, Commedia okay. dell'arte is right. characters really like they're characters, so they can be played by anybody. But they're pivotal. Mm-hmm. They're created by this one person. And so it's ever associated with them. Right. Okay. Okay. So I just thought it was interesting that like the cast is important enough to be part of this, like whose role is what, you know? Right. Okay. I get what you're saying now. So. So because it's a play within a play, it's a little bit confusing. Hence Mm -hmm. the cast picture that I posted. Yeah. So it's about Canio Mm -hmm. who plays Pagliacci. Mm hmm. Who is essentially Perot, mm-hmm. but the Italian version. Okay. So he's kind of the dim-witted clown archetype okay. in the play that he's playing. Right. So Canio plays a sort of dim-witted clown. Yes. In the play yes. within the play. Yeah. Yep. So so Canio is the person who's our main character. Mm-hmm. And his character as an actor is Pagliacci. Right. And then his wife, Netta, is his wife in the play. Wife well. in the play. And I, I find it really interesting that her name is Columbina because I think Columbia tends to be the name of the love interest in Harlequinades. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's probably just an archetypal decision right. to I do that. That relates to, I've been listening to uh, Stephen Fry sort of did his own sort of retelling or condensed uh, all the Greek mythos. And so it's uh, so it gives oh, you a lot of back. Yeah, it's really great. I love it. It's nice and long, so you get your bang for your buck with the audiobook <laughs> money. But um, it's also cool because you get sort of backstories for all these names and things like that. And I wonder if the uh, Columbia has something to do with some sort of old school goddess or half mortal or something it has to be if it's continued it, like that it sounds familiar something something beauty goddess but i i would have to look it up yeah yeah me too then let's see so i believe in- tonio and tadio are kind of interchangeable as mm-hmm. both being the fool and playing the fool in the in the play and the play within the play or Columbia's servant yeah but if you recall, the fool is, like, Pero is an archetype of the servant character that is the fool. Oh, right, right, right. I forgot about so, that. So while they're not playing the same character exactly, they are playing the same archetype. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah. that's, I understand that completely. Yeah. Then a completely different person. So so essentially, Beppe plays Columbia's lover in the play but he is not her lover in real life however right silvio is her lover in real life Uh oh so the whole idea is that the play within the play is actually reflecting real life right even if it's not exactly direct with the characters okay Mm -hmm. so essentially the the plot line is 
you know, that's that's the character arrangement. Mm-hmm. And the plot line is that in the play, the clown, Pagliacci, discovers mm-hmm. that his wife is cheating on him. With? With a different guy. With, with a guy. With an yeah. actor. With the guy who Beppe plays. Yes. Yes. And out, outside on the town, there's some talk of, like oh, I think your wife's cheating on you or like, I would never let, you know, my wife or, you know, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And at some point he discovers that his wife really does have a real life lover. And so it kind of comes out in the play. Oh, no. He discovers that he had, that she has a real life lover as his character discovers that she has a lover. Oh. And so like, it's supposed to be this like, Oh, this acting is amazing. Right. When in reality, but then he's he actually just stabs like... her to death. Oh, he stabs her to death, not the lover. Yes. Interesting. He stabs her to death and she dies on stage and people kind of slowly realize like, oh, that's not just acting real good. That's like bad. That's real bad. Oops. <laughs> that's bad. And then the opera finishes with Tonio, the fool, saying, La commedia è finita. Which means the comedy's over. La commedia è finita. So. Just like an idiot to say at the end of a murder. Yeah. Well, and also, like, it's a, you know, it's a very important line. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And, and it kind of part of it, it it's kind of interesting because it's a little bit the whole idea of Perot I don't remember if I went into this or not with Perot's character but it kind of goes into the fool being the kind of conniving treacherous character mm-hmm. who's actually secretly very clever yeah because it kind of gives meaning cuz cuz part of it is that like Tonio has a crush on Nida Mm-hmm. but she's not interested because she's already got her lover and her husband. Yeah. And so he's kind of pulling the strings. And so, so him being the like, the comedy's fall. over is sort of an expression of like, I'm in control here. That's interesting. I really like yeah. that. It's real spooky. And that ties some... back a little bit into like the comedy of the absurd. Just like, this is a comedy because this whole situation is so... Uh, uh, absurd and just mm-hmm. surreal. Yeah. No, it's it's honestly very strange. Uh, the, the more I've done research into storytelling and this sort of stuff, the more mm-hmm. I've realized that, like, the exact same story is a comedy or a drama or a horror based on how you're telling it yeah. entirely. Oh, for sure. It is, it is 100% the tone. And the story itself can't can stay exactly the same well and that's something that i've come to understand a little bit better recently too how comedies what we call comedies aren't even truly comedies they're comedic dramas like even a comedy is technically a drama when you get into the details of how we actually divide these things like Mm -hmm. everything's a drama really (laughs) yeah that's kind of me with my everything's a horror yeah everything's drama because just sometimes the drama is told from a perspective or in a way that makes it funny, but it's still a drama. 
Yeah. And, like, my thing with, like, everything is horror is I pretty much throw everything into the category of, like, does it make me feel really uncomfortable? All right, it's horror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... I don't know. I just, I really, really liked that as kind of like a finale for the European side of things because it it kind of is like a take all of all of the things that we've already talked about so far in this series mm-hmm. of like, you know, the spooky clown and the tragic clown and the trickster archetype and the fool is a dimwit as well as the fool is kind of a creative clever motherfucker mm-hmm. and there's just and, and exactly also the like is it drama is it horror is it comedy yes and that's why it's scary <laughs> yeah yeah exactly you know? yeah and so it's just it's such a perfect it is now time to cross the pond would you like to would you like to s- swim many li- many long lengths of, yes. of miles of water? Not really, but I can pretend. Yeah, we'll just have like I am, I'm a strong swimmer in my imagination. <laughs> I'm a strong swimmer in real life, but I'm not taking on an ocean. <laughs> <laughs> so so this is where I like I did that thing where I over researched and was like I can't stop because it all connects to everything. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I think it's gonna make sense because it's gotta make sense. But basically, what I decided to do was just sort of talk about American entertainment mm-hmm. in general, particularly like what we consider the like ye old traveling entertainment, right? Um, because it really does all interconnect. You know, right, that when you think sense. of clowns, you think of carnivals, you think of circuses, you think of um, freak shows. Mm-hmm. You know, but they're all kind of distinct. Right. So, so I was like, what is this? Where does it come from? What is this? Where does so it I'm come from? So I'm assuming since as is the nature of like America, that what we know today or what we think of when we think of like traveling entertainment and circuses and things like that are going to be a combination of the, like, Pagliacci stuff that would have crossed the pond with other things that maybe originated here, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we're going to get this, like, clown background that we have from this history that I've already told you. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to get some very distinctly American things. Cool. Um, Which, like, for example, we're starting with freak shows. Yeah. Oh, boy. Show me them freaks. <laughs> Show me them freaks. So we have already talked about the first freak shows Mm -hmm. in, you know, our 16th century discussions of jesters. Yes. Now, that said, those were usually individuals. Mm -hmm. Those were one person who was disabled or disfigured or just different. Yeah. um, Being put on display either by themselves or with some kind of traveling performance troupe right and that was kind of our european stees my my least favorite thing and i don't know if this was also a european thing i know Mm -hmm. it was an american thing was putting on exotic races oh that was a really common thing was basically getting the jungle boy and Yep, yep. Just oh, finding dear. literally somebody that wasn't white, or even sometimes it was a disabled white person. 
Oh, no. And just being like, oh, they're from a new unheard of colony of man. Are they really a human or a completely different species? And just like, it's a black guy. You're an asshole. Yeah. That's just a black guy. Oh. Or, or it's a dude from India. Oh, it's a chick from South America. Like, oh, yeah, that's bad. That sounds like an unfortunately American thing to do. Yeah, it's it sounds very American. I I wonder if it was more than just American because I know that British right. people is this had just like human like, zoos. Is this just like an internalized like self loathing? Like we hate our yeah. country, so we just assume just everything like, bad happened. Yeah, but it's like I know America's <laughs> racist, so it's probably America, and everybody else is off the hook because I know I'm on the hook. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, but you know, so clearly that's really where freak shows started. Is way before in the long long ago when we were just displaying people for being different yeah that's fucked up it's pretty fucked up that's way different than voluntarily being like check it out i'll eat fish heads right yeah yeah the the geeks who are Mm -hmm. like i will i'll make a quick buck for doing weird shit or like even just a strong man yeah i am a man who is strong nothing weird about that just I'm strong. I do find that kind of amusing that like power lifters these days would have been a freak show attraction. Yeah, that is weird. But I suppose a lot of people that we know these days, because like tattooed well, people were part of the freak show. But the thing is, is those people were more unique back then. And actually, too, mm-hmm. if you think about it, like the amount of time, it's it's kind of like the Industrial Revolution allowing art. The the way that um our culture has kind of changed and I guess arguably improved over the last like hundred years means that people actually have the time to specialize and go train and condition their diets in such a way that they're actually able to be power lifters. Whereas back in the day when people just got buff through manual labor or some people were lucky enough to have the time and the freedom to actually like train, right? Like that would still be a lot more rare. Because right. if you were if you were genetically capable of getting as strong as a strong man, when you know you're not training, that's just your life. That is kind of that is different. Yeah, that Although is different. I imagine manual laborers back then were pretty strong. Right. Well, and that's I, I know I was thinking about that as I was talking. So it's probably like, like a hop, skip, and a jump away from being part of the freak show. Yeah, that's true. If you were just a naturally genetic, well, I guess okay. Here's the thing, though: people have gotten bigger. So just to simply be a huge man would be genetically anomalous. Yeah. Those were like average sized people now. So yeah, that's that's our history of the freak show as far as like history history goes. But okay. it gets really Americanized and is kind of, well, very distinct. Okay. And guess who it starts with? I mean. Who? It's written in your outline. I know. I can't guess. I can't guess. <laughs> P.T. Barnum. <laughs> So I did, I have been holding back a question about this. I didn't associate, so were Barnum and, ba- were the, wait. I'll get Ringling. into that. Okay, yes, never mind. I was thinking of somebody else. I Ringling. think of Barnum, P.T. Bailey. Barnum. Yeah, I think of like Ringling Bros and Barnum and Bailey. I don't assume that any of those people are freaks. I picture, I picture those people as all being individual uh, ringleader, right? Yeah. Whoever the... Yeah, the ringleader, right? Isn't that the person? I mean, that's the that's basically the guy who calls out the acts. Yeah, who like runs the show. 
Yeah. Yeah, um, that's what and, I imagine them being. I don't imagine them being freaks. <laughs> well, they weren't. Mm. They they were not freaks. They were collectors. Well, oh. okay, no, not quite. I will I will explain it. So so basically, because I fell down this rabbit hole, I was like, I need to explain all of these people, which makes me really glad that you are asking about them, Good. because it means that my like research into okay, who's this guy? Okay, who's this guy? Yeah, means that it wasn't just because I'm a fucking crazy person. No, it was actually like a reasonable thing for me to research. <laughs> I have to have confidence in my ability to ask questions. Otherwise, what do I have? But <laughs> I do think that I ask the questions that need to be answered. <laughs> Excellent. I mean, I'm really glad that we think on the same wavelength because you justify my crazy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you also, you also like, call me out on my crazy. Sometimes. So. You're, you're a good, uh, solid ground for whatever the hell I am. <laughs> Okay, cool. Or maybe you're not a solid ground. Maybe we're just spinning together into the nothingness. It's fine. That Don't sounds, worry about that it. That sounds more accurate. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to get into all of this. But it does start with P.T. Barnum. Okay. And he got into the showman business. The first was with a hoax. Okay. So he had this elderly, uh, her name was Joyce Heth. She was an elderly black woman, and he claimed her to be a 160-year-old uh, nurse of George Washington. Okay. So this is in the 1830s. So, you know, starts with a hoax. Yeah. You have such a face. I You're just... waiting for it to get bad, huh? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I am. <laughs> this is this is not the worst story I've ever told, I oh, promise. Oh, good, 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 yeah. good. Like, it's still, it's still like, I don't like this. But it's like, there's pros and cons. Okay. It's not just exploiting disabled people the way the Renaissance shit was. Yes. Yeah. There's actually a little bit of disabled people empowerment here. Oh, lovely. Yeah. So, so after she died... Uh, his his hoax was actually exposed, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Yeah, nobody lives to be 160. Yeah, no. And uh, he purchased the American Museum in 1842. Okay. Now this is a five story building in New York that he filled with all sorts of shows. So he filled them with like strange, freaky yada yadas to mm-hmm. beauty contests. Okay. He was like showman. Right? Yeah, he just like that. Any any show he could do, he would do. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's his start. Mm-hmm. Is actually a freak show museum. Okay. That's also other things. Right. And at some point, he decided to take the show on the road. Like now, that's a very American thing. (laughs) Yeah. So that's kind of how it becomes like a traveling thing. Right. So his his freaks were hoaxes and real. One of the examples is Chang and Aang. Yes, I've heard of this. This is referenced in American Horror Story. Oh, okay, That makes sense. Did you watch American Horror Story Freak Show? No, but I bet you did. So you're going to be our help for that one. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that makes sense that that's the, a lo- I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of the characters are actually based on real people. 
Yeah, that, yeah, you're right. It makes perfect sense. But so Chang and Ang were uh, conjoined twins mm-hmm. who were actually Chinese, but it sounded more exotic to call them Siamese. And that is the is reason. Siam, is Siam by Thailand or something? Um, or is Siam by like India? I feel or like. Is not even a place anymore? Like, I mean, whatever. I guess that doesn't even matter. But. Yeah, I think Siam's not around anymore. But I think it's now Thailand. Okay, that's kind of what I thought. Yeah. So, I mean, like, so, yes, it is Asian. Yeah. But that's not quite good <laughs> enough. I don't know. Yeah. It, For the sake of it being more exotic, you can't be Chinese, you gotta be Siamese. Yeah. What and about Siamese cats? Are they actually from Siam? I have no idea where Siamese <laughs> cats are from. Okay. Sorry. That's a whole other I think tangent. not, but I don't know. <laughs> What I've heard is that Siamese cats are, oh, they're not a tabby. They're like a black cat, but they're, but they have the albino gene. Oh, okay. And that's why they look, that's why Siamese anything looks, has that like white with some black patterning. Mm. Is there a black thing with the albino pattern or with the albino gene? Interesting. Okay. But anyway. where they are from, I don't know. That was completely unrelated to anything. Um, but yeah, basically, um, basically calling something Siamese, calling something from Siam, which is now Thailand, but then was a thing, uh, seemed more exotic. And so while Chang and Ang were Chinese, people didn't know the difference between Chinese names and Siamese names. So they were Siamese. And that's where the phrase Siamese twins comes from. Okay. Which is why it is a lot more appropriate to call somebody conjoined twins than Siamese twins. Because Siamese twins is actually explicitly racist. Okay. Good to know. Yay. Everything is racist. Everything is everything is racist. <laughs> We're gonna get into that more later. Yay! Yay! So other examples was like super super tall women. Mm-hmm. I forget her name, and I'm an asshole, but she was seven foot eleven. Holy hell! Isn't she that must great? have had she must have had gigantism or something, right? Like whatever Jean made uh, Andre the something. Giant look like he did. Like yeah. that's. That's a little bit she more than you would expect. Lady. But but yeah, seven, seven foot eleven, like tallest woman ever. He had super, super short men. Uh one example is Wilner. General Tom Thumb. Uh-huh. Who is the weirdest story ever. He was I think he stopped growing at like three or six months or something. He was literally like a two foot tall person. Oh wow. And He must not have lived very long. There's no way he you actually not. lived a decent life. Wow. I don't know how long he lived, but he lived a pretty okay life. He was able to retire. Okay. Which is pretty cool. So and, the general um, part wasn't just like a diminutive cute thing? Like, was he actually a general? No. Oh, okay. No, it was a diminutive cute thing. Although, if it makes you feel any better. So he was advertised, at, at first, he was advertised as being an 11-year-old when he was actually a 4-year-old. I don't know that that makes it a whole lot better, but essentially he was a child when he was being treated like a child. Okay, well, that's good. (laughs) I don't know how much better that makes it, but... A little bit. 
Yeah. And and he had other short men. He had bearded ladies. He had incredibly tattooed people. Like that was his collection of non-hoax freaks. Yeah. You know. There was also like a mermaid thing that was that was a hoax. I think it was a the monkey Fijian that was mermaid. sewed onto a f- yeah. That's that that's sewed referenced onto a fish. in American Horror Story as well. Oh, okay, that's the rad. Fiji mermaid. No wait, yeah. no, it's not. I'm mixing up American Horror Story and X Files. Those are really cool X Files where they go to <laughs> a traveling circus and the Fiji mermaid is actually some guy's weird conjoined twin who can separate like. He's like a weird tumor twin that lives like kind of in his abdomen and he can come out and go kill people and come back. Wow. Yeah. That's that's way more cooler than what they were trying to claim it was. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's a mermaid. No, it's a conjoined twin that can unconjoin. Yes. That's that's wild. (laughs) But yeah, so basically... The traveling freak show starts with P.T. Barnum, which I just think is really interesting because everybody knows Barnum's name. Right. Barnum and Bailey is so so innocent. You think of like elephants and feathers and pom-poms and just, you know. Well, not that that's innocent. No, it's not. That that was a bad (laughs) example. That was definitely a bad example. But you know what I'm saying. Well, but it's also a really great example because it shows that even though there's this sinister background, there's still this, like, bizarre 50s sheen over it of, like, oh, everything is so great and fine and innocent. Yeah. And it's just not. Yeah. And it's just not. But it is a very complex thing because he was overtly exploiting these marginalized people for their marginalized status. Right. Like that was he was making thing. money off of people for being weird or disabled or different. The very thing that just caused them problems in their daily life was the thing that he was exploiting to make money. Yeah. That said, he was also the only person willing to pay these people a living wage and he paid them well. A lot of them were able to retire into nice lives. Do you think that cancels it out kind of? I don't know. I really don't, because especially mm-hmm. considering the time, where would these people work? Right. I feel like you know, in today's day How would day they and make age, their living? I feel like in today's day and age it wouldn't, but it's important to look at things through the lens of history. And I think in yeah. that, in, in considering that, I think that... It's complex. It's complicated. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit shitty, but ultimately it's still better that they have, uh, you know, options. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in a modern age, we want to normalize being different and make it okay to use your talents in a way that you find appropriate. Right, in a positive and productive way rather than in a, well, everyone thinks it's really funny when I do this. Yeah. Yeah. But back then, you know, people weren't going to hire you if you were covered in tattoos. Yeah. Or if you were a particularly small man. Yeah. You know, it, it was just very, very different times. People could wear their prejudice on their sleeves and just do. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. Almost unapologetically could just do what they wanted to do. Like, no, I don't like you. Go away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we'll definitely talk about that later. People wearing their prejudice on their sleeves. But I don't know. It's just, it's really complicated. And you do have to look at it through this histor- historical lens because... It was exploitation, 
but it was also empowerment, you know? So kind of like modern day sex workers. (laughs) Kind of. Yeah. It's exploitation, but it's empowerment. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, you are and the line, working with the tools that society has given you. Well, and then the line between is always going to be uh, shifting and unclear. Mm-hmm. It's hard yeah, to look at, at every situation. You're like, well, is this exploitative or is this somebody using the assets that they have? Like in yeah. each situation, it's a little bit unclear. Yeah. And um, I think it was the, the tattooed man. I don't remember his name because I'm the worst. But... He was paid real handsomely and like, like literally like a thousand dollars a week, which oh, wow. is infinity money in yeah, today's that's standards. Hella money. And when he retired, he um, donated half of it to other, like his fellow performers. Oh, his, his other freaks. Yeah. Which I just like, I just thought that, charming. I don't know. Let's see. There was a thing. Let's see. Um. Oh, never mind. I won't look it up. It doesn't matter. Oh, okay. But, but yeah, no, I guess what I'm saying is that like freak shows in America has a really, really complex history because from today's lens, not okay. But from then day's lens, maybe kind of cool, possibly even a good thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So, so he's doing his thing for quite a while, actually. And he is competing with James Bailey, who's doing his own circus. Right. And ultimately, they end up becoming business partners. And they create Barnum and Bailey, the greatest show on earth in 1881. Cool. And so that's where you get the freak show circus mix. Right. Because that's where they start adding in the other entertainment things in addition to the freaks. Well, he already had the other entertainment things, mm-hmm. but like basically you've got a really, really solid freak show foundation mixing in with a really proper, it's a circus. And so Barnum was the very proper freak show and Bailey was yeah. the proper circus. Yeah. Now, Barnum was really a proper showman mm-hmm. who had a proper freak show. Okay. But he also had, you know, dancers and acrobats and you know the the entertainment that you also think of yeah and we'll get into that probably a bit later okay some other examples of people that he had working for him and then so uh barnum eventually died Mm -hmm. as all people who were born in the 1800s do (laughs) And, um, the only people born in the 1800s were fine. Oh, only we're fine. Um, meanwhile, the uh, the Ringling Brothers start doing their thing, and they are like proper motherfucking circer, 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 proper motherfucking circus. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I'm really amused by them because the Ringling Brothers really are brothers yeah there's albert otto alfred charles john and occasionally they were helped out by august and henley henry ringling that's a lot of brothers seven brothers it's <laughs> a lot of fucking brothers so they were putting on their own circus and they were 
trying to make a deal with Bailey, but he wasn't budging and they were Mm -hmm. buying up other circuses and kind of creating like the Disney media like monopoly, but like for circuses. Great. Love it. (laughs) And after Bailey's death uh, in 1906, they purchased Barnum and Bailey, thus creating Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. Right. Makes sense. That name is really hung on there. Yeah, it really has. I mean, so basically, they were still doing circuses until very, very recently. Aren't they Um, still doing circuses? I am not sure, but I I think they're finally out of business. So what happened? Basically, they were an okay circus, and then they bought an elephant. And and shit went cray. They got super, super successful after buying an elephant. But in modern days, animal rights activists are like, you can't treat elephants like that. They're smart and you're literally abusing them. And people Mm -hmm. got upset. And so I think it was like 2015, they decided to take elephants out of their show. But I think because of all of the upset over the animal abuse, uh, they shut down in 2017. But I'm not sure. They might still be around. No, but I was actually not just looking around, into it. And yeah, they they have... Uh, in 2017, they did. They finally were done. Okay. But I mean, that's really recent. They were still going for well over 100 years. Yeah, that's not a thing anymore. Huh. Interesting. But like, I remember them coming to Utah. Yeah, know? me too. I went there. I, I went... Uh, did you really? Yeah, when I was like, I don't know... I this time is fuzzy I was old enough to go the reason I was going is because I was helping to babysit um children that my mom had been a nanny for and so I think I was like 11 or 12 Mm -hmm. I think it was maybe I was like it was right before I moved to the valley and like um my mom had sent stopped being a nanny for this woman and she'd had like two other kids and she wanted someone to go to the circus with her because her husband couldn't go to watch like you know three kids under the age of eight Yeah, and so I went with her just for that purpose. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember it very clearly. I remember tripping while carrying a baby, which was scary. Oh, God. Uh, but everything was yeah, fine. scary. But, uh, yeah, I did go to that circus when it was here way in a long, long ago. Yeah. But, so that's, that is the history of, like, the American circus. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Kind of. Business side. That's the history of the American circus. Okay. We'll keep going. And so another thing I wanted to talk about was traveling carnivals. Mm -hmm. Because that also kind of... (sighs) Basically, I have been racking my brain for where do we find clowns? Carnivals. (laughs) Yeah, and and the carny clown is scary because they they come and go. Well, I guess the circus does too, but... uh... Circus does too. Yeah, that was actually one of the really interesting things that I think the Ringling Brothers did was put everything on trains yeah and make it real easy to set up and take down yeah but that's a la dumbo (sighs) a la dumbo yeah and so one of the problems is i i am talking about these indistinct categories Mm -hmm. but they are really mixed together Mm -hmm. as far as 
you know, historically what was happening and therefore what was modernizing. Okay, yeah. And so a lot of stuff that happened for circuses is also going to be happening for carnivals. Okay. You know? Yeah. They they are they are distinct, obviously, but there's also a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. Essentially, a carnival can also have a circus. Okay, yeah. Cuz the circus is you know? the, the circus is the performance. Yeah, the like circus the is, is like the big tent with all of the shit in it that's got a bunch of cool shit. Right. But a carnival has like games and food and, and vendors, even other performances going on at the same time, mm-hmm. but in separate tents. Yeah. Um, and rides. Oh, and rides. Yeah. That is one of the things that that actually makes it distinct. Um, and I'll get into that right now. So this this is not the same as carnival. There are different. Yes, not carnival. Carnival is carnival is a Catholic tradition mm-hmm. meant as the last time to party before the start of Lent. So kind of like um, Mardi Gras. It is. That is Mardi Gras. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Fat Tuesday, Ash Wednesday. Yes. Lent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Easter. Traveling carnivals, different. Yes. (laughs) So they are a kind of mixture of traveling shows, Mm -hmm. which likely got its start at the 1893 Chicago World Fair. Okay. Which is just really fun because there's a lot of crazy shit that went down in the Chicago World Fair, in including H.H. Holmes. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so great. finding this connection, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so many things. There's another connection. <laughs> Luckily, I did not go down the H.H. Holmes rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Not right now. Yeah. I mean, like, it's a story I know, but it wasn't like a, I need to research this for clowns. Yeah. <laughs> I need to research this for so, clowns. <laughs> so basically the chicago world fair I, I guess what it was is that it was a thing that happened in america on american soil while a bunch of really fascinating stuff was happening in the world mm-hmm. you know as far as like technology and architecture and right this big leap forward society there was yeah. a ton of things happening and so that's why the chicago world fair was just so important to the history of stuff that has happened. Yeah. And one of the things that was featured at the Chicago World Fair was a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> so basically it had a bunch of entertainment from plays to freak shows to burlesque to, uh, you know, kind of stuff that I was talking about with the Barnum stuff. Yeah. But it also had like the very first Ferris wheel. Yay! Love Ferris so wheels. So you have, you have that all sorts of entertainment. Mm-hmm. You also have all of these vendors and rides. Yeah. And so Otto Schmidt, who was a showman at the Chicago World Fair, created the Chicago Midway Placence Amusement Company. Okay. That's a terrible name. Which, it's not a great name. Remember, this is back in the day when we named our books, This is the Whole Book. Yes. <laughs> Here is a treaty on blah, 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 blah. So it toured northeastern United States with 13 acts, I believe all from the Chicago World Fair. Oh, cool. But it didn't actually, like, the company dissolved before completing its first tour. Oh. So that's kind of like the first carnival. But 
many members of that company broke off and created their own successful traveling carnivals. Oh, neat. Yeah. Yay, small business. <laughs> yeah. And so that's that's the history of the traveling carnivals. So, all right. So final decision. We are stopping there. Mm-hmm. Mostly because it is a place that we can stop. Okay. We are not done with traveling performers in the U.S. Okay. We are not done with the history of what makes clowns. Mm -hmm. I guess really what we did today was we talked about the history of where you find clowns. Okay. And we'll get into a little bit more. That the was history. that was the history of where you find clowns. This is like that was the history this, of where you is, find clowns. This is the stage that clowns will be taking in post eighteen eighties US. Yeah. Okay. And so next week we are going to finish creating the modern clown. Yay! I believe, and then we can get into all the fun stuff like it and mm-hmm. all that. And then we'll stuff. get into the stuff that makes clowns even scarier than just the sinister backstory that they have awesome yeah we'll get into nope clowns are actually horrid (laughs) great all right what else do we need to do uh we got a new patron this week we got two new patrons this week new patrons so yay thank you so much both kari who is a friend and Kate, who is also a friend, but is also a podcaster. She makes the Ignorance Was Bliss podcast, which I was on recently, and I might be able to get Sunshine to go on. Is that the woman who interviews people? Oh my god, that was such a stupid... Yeah, okay. No, you're fine. Is that the woman who interviews people? That's a totally reasonable question. Okay. I feel like that's what all podcasters do, essentially, I guess. Oh, there's very few podcasters that do interviews. Oh, really? Yeah, most of the podcasts in, in like the podcast junkie discord are um, nonfiction like us, mm-hmm. audio dramas, okay, or basically uh, recordings of tabletop RPGs, which are called actual play podcasts. Okay, okay. Yeah, very, very few interview style podcasts. Interesting. Yeah. Well, then I so, feel less dumb. Yeah, no, you're totally reasonable. It was a completely <gasps> reasonable question. Yes. Yeah. Reasonable so, inquiry so... queen. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> so thank you so much for donating to our Patreon. It means the world to us. It it like it's seriously just like getting support, whether it's like monetarily on Patreon or coffee, or just like having people tag us in tweets yeah when they're like hey i like this show that lifts us up so much oh and for keeps sure us going for sure and i just i just want everybody to know that like we are watching whenever somebody we see does you a nice and thing we love you. and hits us up <laughs> and we see you and we love you <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i think that's it social media is palm pitch pod at palm pitch pod for everything and uh and i think yeah we we love you bye we love you bye (laughs) (laughs) okay love you bye bye. (laughs) i am a traveling bard it's really nice to meet you i'm sorry if i mistook you for lard i shouldn't have tried to eat you 
I'm just so hungry out here, I've been lost in this forest. It's a kind of long, sad story. I'll trade you for a chorus. I used to be in a traveling bandit band. We sang and stole and waltzed our way through vaults across the land till a certain theft ensured our death. We all got cursed and even worse. Now I'm the only one left I am a traveling bard I hope my story makes us even If we promise to both let down our guard I can teach you some Norwegian And I guess I might as well share That dairy gives me great pain So if you have any other substance to spare I'll explain in the refrain I used to be in a traveling bandit band. We'd alamond and then abscond with all your gems in hand. But we displeased some deities, and we got doomed to make our tombs different kinds of cheese. We lost our singer in the sinking swamps of the swirling sweet fondue, and our Asiago overs bid our accordion adieu. Our clarinet never reached the crest of the canyons of Camembert. And our tambourine man, poor fella The nasty streets of mozzarella left him there So just don't do what we've done And hope that nothing odd enchants you Oh concertina, you are the only one Who knew the chords and beats to dance to I am a traveling bard, our death polka band is done for. I only know how to play this dumb rhythm guitar. I suppose this is my encore.